Hello, welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And this is the final episode of Summer Screams 2021. Yes, it's been fun. We say that yeah, every time. It, it yeah, yeah. Just to it's remind you, yet again, we had more fun with this than Shitty Superheroes Month. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's more my kind of thing than superheroes. Fish, boobs, uh... Kung Fu zombies, uh, sharks. We've we've had it all. We've had it all. We have. Yeah. Tiny today, bit of sun in these films. A little bit of sun. A little, sun, bit, of little sun, bit of summer. Just a smidge. In summer screams. Um, but today, we bring to you our concluding chapter, returning to the world of Piranha, with Piranha 2 The Spawning, a.k.a. Flying Killers from 1981. Yes. The infamous sequel infamous. to Piranha 1978. Who was it directed by, Gary? Directed by James fucking Cameron. The director of The Terminator, Titanic, Aliens, Avatar, The Abyss. That James Cameron. T2. Yeah. <laughs> Not Trainspotting 2. Terminator no. 2. Yeah, that James Cameron directed this film. Yes. Um, obviously, this is his best film, of course. Um, <laughs> uncredited directors, Ovidio G. Asanetis, uh, the director of Beyond the Door, mm. Tentacles, Desperate Moves, Madhouse, and Out of Control. Also uncredited, directed by Miller Drake. This is his only film, but he did visual effects for Terminator 2, The Abyss, Last Action Hero, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, Virus, Fast and Furious, Green Lantern, etc. There we go. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is an Italian film. This is very this much is an Italian very film. very Italian. Budget, uh, $145,785. And at a box office, it made $389,106. Made a tiny bit of money. Made yeah. its money back. Which is, which is why we didn't get a Piranha 3. No, but we've got 1995 Piranha, so... I mean, take from that what you will. <laughs> Trivia for this film is very interesting. Uh, in a bizarre series of events, shall we say, uh, for the whole of the trivia. So in an interview, James Cameron said this movie gets better halfway through when seen at driving with a six-pack of beer. Yes. Uh, although this is the first official directing credit for James Cameron, most of the work was actually performed by uh, Avidio G. Asanitis... Uh, the film's producer and prolific filmmaker. Asinatis uh, had made a deal with a small label at Warner Brothers for a budget of $500,000 to produce the movie, provided that an American was credited as director. After considering Miller Drake as a director but finding him unsuitable, he gave the job to James Cameron after being impressed by his special effects on Galaxy of Terror. But what he really wanted was a first-timer who he could easily set up, um, easily sidestep in order to take over as director. Something he had already done with Beyond the Door and Madhouse. According to Dreaming Aloud, a biography of James Cameron by Christopher Hurd and The Futurist by Rebecca Keegan, Cameron worked on the film's special effects, rewrote the script, created storyboards, did location scouting, and actually filmed for four days. However, the other director called most of the shots continuously questioned Cameron's decisions, did not allow him to watch his own footage, and finally fired him on the fifth day of shooting. Reportedly, because Cameron's footage wouldn't cut together. 
Apparently. Apparently. Later, Cameron was able to convince the director to show him a rough cut of the film, which was horrible. But not because there was anything wrong with his footage. The other director had simply manipulated the situation to rewrite half the movie, adding nudity that wasn't in the script originally. Cameron then broke into the editing room every night for four weeks to cut his own version. Unfortunately, the other director found it and recut it again. The most widely distributed version of the film um, is Asenetis's version. Uh, although Cameron was later allowed to create a director's cut that saw a limited release in some markets. I think we need <laughs> the Cameron cut. <laughs> well, apparently it exists. It's, it's been released. Yeah. So we need to see that on Blu-ray. I mean, what can you say about that? <laughs> well, I, I I, I'd love was... to see a film about the making of this film. I heard it was four hours long, the uh, Cameron cut. It's black and white. Black and white. Um, yeah. Um, it, a messy... I find if it's messy behind the scenes, it's messy on screen. Yeah. And that is exactly what this film is. It, it is. It is. I mean, thankfully... Unlike Beyond the Door, this is a fun kind of. Oh recipe. my god! Beyond the Door is just boring, um, but this is is fairly entertaining. Apart from the final ten minutes, where we just see people underwater for like far too long. Yeah. Uh, James Cameron had come to Rome to see the film's post production, but he had spent his entire advance salary on the plane ticket. With no money for food, he just snatched leftovers and rolls from dinner trays in his hotel. Due to the exhaustion and, and uh, malnutrition, he grew ill with fever, had a nightmare about a metallic torso emerging from an explosion mm. and dragging itself over the floor with kitchen knives, which gave him the idea for the Terminator. Wow. That's so, nice. thanks, Piranha 2. Thank you, Piranha Th- Thank you for putting James Cameron through such a shitty time <laughs> that he had a horrible nightmare that led to one of the greatest films ever made. So, did Roger Corman have no... I don't think so. I don't think so. No. No, it's very Italian. Very. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know where the James Cameron footage is. Uh, James Cameron reused the flying piranha effects in Aliens for the facehuggers. Okay. The other director was set to produce a third entry in the series in the early 90s, but it was never materialised. I wonder why. Uh, the Flying Piranhas idea was the idea of a Warner Brothers executive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James Cameron, some more... <laughs> Let's get some more sympathy to James Cameron. Um, James Cameron arrived in Jamaica to join his crew in pre-production one week before shooting was supposed to start. He was dismayed to find out that they had not yet secured a single shooting location or even finished a complete set. Cameron immediately grabbed the production cash wallet and a, pal- a Polaroid camera... And offered the first person that he saw with a car some money to drive him around the island. Cameron scouted the filming locations himself, paid for them in cash, and secured every deal through handwritten contracts. Well, that's, you know, he did what he needed to do. And if it was for a film called Piranha 2 this morning... <laughs> I just, I feel really sorry for him because he went through the worst fucking time yeah. making this film. Um, I mean... You know, James Cameron's a very ambitious guy. You look at what everything he did with his other films. Mm-hmm. Maybe he did think he could do something special with Piranha 2. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was his... I mean, he didn't know what the future would hold. No. So, for him, this was his shot. This was, you know, his moment. Yeah. To direct a film. And now, 
pesky Italian came and ruined it all. Yeah. <laughs> he was all right in the end, though, I think. I'm surprised... Um, I'm surprised they didn't do this as a Italian rip-off to Piranha rather than... Uh, I mean, it's just as good as. Essentially, It's, just, it's yeah. just as good as. You know, I mean, one of the, the fake sequels like Cruel Jaws and, and so on. Yeah. I'm really surprised it didn't go down that route, especially once James Cameron was fired. I think if you could... I think the idea of making a sequel... And for once, with, with an Italian production... Um, Warner Brothers was on on um on board as well though, uh. But for once, with an Italian production, they didn't pretend to be a sequel. No. <laughs> it was actually a sequel. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> According to Lance Henriksen, yeah, um, prolific actor, genre actor, Lance Henriksen's in this. Yeah. Um, he's but, in this. So meant to get people interested. Let's let's, let's just say he's, he's to excite us. Hey, he's a legend. He's a legend. Not he's, the best actor, but he's a legend. He's all right. He's sometimes prolific gets confused with well. Good. I mean, Aliens, Pumpkinhead, Terminator. He was good in Aliens. You know. Yeah. Oh, do you think this is why he was in Aliens? There's a good chance. James Cameron was like, "I need someone." Well, I mean, <laughs> he was in Terminator. Who did I work with before? He was in Terminator, wasn't he? Lance Henriksen. He was a cop in the Terminator. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. According to Lance Henriksen, making this movie was the most ter- most trying time in his life, production-wise. The film's uh, European director wanted to spend only three hundred thousand dollars on the film, even though he had a deal for five hundred thousand, which meant that they had to cut costs wherever they could. Henriksen was told that they couldn't afford a uniform for his character and that he should play the role in his own plain clothes, <laughs> to which he objected, insisting that a harbour patrolman couldn't do his job without a uniform as if he's some plain clothes undercover cop. The situation was resolved when Henriksen noticed a sharp-dressed waiter the same size as him and asked him to sell his uniform for 75 bucks of his own money. <laughs> He also asked. He also had to use whale-shaped pins as his police badge and e-pallets at, that showed his rank. <laughs> Additionally, <laughs> Henriksen had to carve the wooden gun in a holster by himself. <laughs> this fucking film's ridiculous, and we haven't even got to the film yet. <laughs> God, that's Hamrickson. <laughs> I mean, it's shitty that the director wanted to keep two hundred fucking thousand dollars for himself. But come on, Lance Hamrickson, play the fucking role. I feel <laughs> Lance Hamrickson and James Cameron put way too much effort into this. Speaking of which, as Cameron wants an explosive finale, he added to the script that Hamrickson's character jumps out of a helicopter to save his drowning family. The- <laughs> The helicopter was a Jamaican police helicopter used to chase drug smugglers and was piloted by a professional pilot. However, at one point, a boat snuck under the chopper, almost hitting Emerickson's legs. So the pilot had to raise the chopper quickly. And in the manoeuvre, Cameron accidentally dropped the shooting camera into the sea, which has never recovered. Oh. Both Cameron and Henriksen considered themselves lucky to be alive after that. Additionally, during a scripted jump, 
Henriks had almost broken arm and his boots immediately started filling up with water as soon as he landed, so he almost drowned. But <laughs> one of the most stupid scenes in cinematic Completely history. Completely pointless. Absolutely <laughs> pointless. Honestly, I don't know why it's in the film. And then he wants an explosive finale. It's, it's a completely pointless thing. Helicopters don't explode when they touch water. Well, no, I don't. Well, I mean, I, don't think so. I, I assume they just sink. Well, yeah, really. <laughs> but they went through all of that. They almost fucking died, Chris. They almost died yeah. to get this fucking helicopter scene done. Yeah. For Piranha 2 to spawn in. For Piranha 2 Are to you spawn fucking in. kidding me? I cannot yeah, believe... Seriously. We, we, we're fucking 12 minutes into this episode. We're still on the trivia and there is more bizarre events here than in the fucking film itself. Yeah. I, I would love to see a film about the making of this film. Yeah, that would be... It is ridiculous. And I'm not even finished yet. One of the locations that James Cameron had found for the film was a real morgue. But when it was time to shoot there, the crew found three dead corpses there. One being a little girl and one which had been open for autopsy. Oh, no. <laughs> That's in the fucking... So that morgue is an actual morgue. Yeah. The corpses in. Oh, God. They tried to hide away the bodies the best they could, but actor Steve Marikuk decided to take a look anyways. He was horrified at what he saw and had to leave the set for 30 minutes. <laughs> God's sake. Hearst drivers eventually came to collect the bodies during a lunch break. One of them dropped the autopsy body, causing gallons of real blood to spill over the floor, which oh, Cameron no. had to clean himself before he allowed his cast back on set. He was only on the film for four days. <laughs> so in four days... All this happened in four days. He nearly died to get a helicopter crash. He fucking... He found real dead bodies. He had to clean up blood. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Surprised he made another film. This is unbelievable. This is by far the best trivia we've ever had. Despite her British ethnicity, Carol Davis's voice is dubbed by another actress in the English language version, most likely to make her sound American. Who's Carol Davis? I assume she's uh, Anne. Anne? The mother. Anne. Oh, okay. I think so. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, actually. Barbara Steele... Uh, was originally meant to oh. return in her role as Dr. Mengers, uh, but was unavailable. Had oh. Steele returned, the uh, doctor she played was going to be killed off. So it's, I'm glad she didn't. It's still... Oh, no, she's... Is she Barbara still dead? Killed off. Barbara Steele is... Oh, I don't know. I um, swear she is. I think she's still alive. Is, is she still alive? Okay, Piranha I'm Free. I'm not sure. Oh, Carol Davis... Yeah? Isn't Anne... She's a uh, Jai. Oh, get fucked. That is not an American accent. That's she is very much for. British. <laughs> what was the point in dubbing her? That was a really weird... <laughs> well, it wasn't really British. It wasn't really America. It was just... I don't know what accent she was going it's, for. She was definitely dubbed, though. Absolutely. <laughs> I assume she was Italian, to be fair. Oh, my God. You've just reminded me of those characters, and this might be the best film we've ever discussed on the podcast. <laughs> For my final bit of trivia, Joe Dante had been considered to return to the director's chair for this entry, but he was already committed to the howling at the time. 
Do you think this would have been a better film with Joe Dante? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without, if he didn't stand for the uh, Italian director shit and actually took charge of the film, made it his own film, this could have been something great. Barbara Steele is still alive. Oh my god, Piranha Free, get it going. We'll write the script for you. Um, She'll be the lead character. Will be. Uh, 70, 80, 84. Gone Queen, still going. So, getting into the film. A scuba diving instructor, her biochemist boyfriend, and her police chief ex-husband tried to link a series of bizarre deaths to a mutant strain of piranha fish whose lair is a sunken freighter ship ship off of a Caribbean island resort. And we start with two people going scuba diving to see what they describe as a wonderful sunken shipwreck. Yeah, two badly dubbed people. <laughs> yeah, immediately you're like, okay, this is Italian. This is Italian um, straight away. Yeah, this would have been one of his extra scenes because it's the nudity scene. Yeah, yeah. So, oh God, hell yeah. Um, so she's in a bikini. <laughs> uh, the gentleman is in a speedo. Um... <laughs> And he um, gets very close to uh, knocking his pride and joy on her. On her face. <laughs> on her face, <laughs> but also on like, the shipwreck. There's a few moments I'm like, oh my God. What, there's a few moments where the camera if knocks you, into the shipwreck? If you're not careful with that, you're going to lose it. Well, the, the camera knocks into the shipwreck a few yeah, times, yeah. and they didn't even edit it out. No. Um, yeah, the woman of the, of, the, uh, of the couple takes a bikini off, goes... Fully nude, underwater. She does. A little surprise for him. And in a bigger surprise, as I said, she nearly um, has his dick in her mouth um, when she makes her way down to cut his speedos off with a fucking knife. <laughs> she does. <laughs> she cuts his speedos off. <laughs> and then they, like, take their scuba gear off yeah. and start <laughs> snogging. It's like, oh, don't and worry, like, guys. You know, that's probably there for your safety. <laughs> yeah. And then they, like, surely they can't, like, be kissing underwater without having a load of water go in their exactly. mouth. Exactly. So, like, I, I don't know. I ain't going to go into the logistics of it. Um, <laughs> we get some really nice close-ups of them groping each other's nipples. Oh, my God. You see their nipples for <laughs> far too long than you Zoomed. probably should. Zoomed in on those nipples. Especially his. Like, she has a really yeah. good go on his. <laughs> I just can't imagine being on set like, okay, we're underwater. Now what we're going to do is we're just going to focus on your nipples for a while. Play with his nipples. Play with his nipples. Well, this is... For Piranha 2. We um, recently spoke about um, the Piranha remake. Yeah, Piranha 3D. Piranha 3D. So this is like the... um, (laughs) Early 80s version. The Kelly Brooks scene. Kelly Brooks scene. (laughs) Um, the piranhas are on their way to join in, and uh, they don't fancy some nipple twisting today, so they eat them both alive. They do. Uh, we get some opening credits with, and I will stand by this fact, the amazing score. Yeah. Yeah, credit where it's due. Really it's good. It's a good score. It's, I think it's just as good as the score for the first film. It is really, again, that sort of tone from the first film where it's like an epic scale... For a film about fucking piranhas, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's amusing. What isn't good is the credits themselves. Yeah, it's, what was that red filter? There's some weird 
So it's um, shots of the shipwreck underwater. Yeah. Uh, very boring, just going around. Um, this shipwreck is very empty. Um, there's In the film, it's um, insinuated that there's lots of fish and wildlife there. <laughs> there ain't nothing of the sort. No. <laughs> um, so it's really boring. And there's like a weird red filter... Yeah. Um, but only in, like, blotches. And I'm assuming it's meant to look, like, blurred. And then some of them are kind of in the shape of fish. Um, and then there's... That's being kind. Uh, and it was giving me a bit of James Bond as well. Because there was... I swear at one point it was the silhouette of a woman spinning. Yeah. I don't think it was on purpose, though. I think that's, no. that's just... It just, that's just looked it looked shit. Like. And it just happened to look stylish for a second. We're taken to Hotel Elysium, a Caribbean coastal resort, in a bizarre series of events. This is weird. Chris. Not me. <laughs> no. A teenager. Uh, and actually, I had definitely to look this up. He's me. definitely a teenager. He's 17 years old. Um, wakes his mum up by waving a fish in her face flirting with her a bit and falling on top of her while she's naked under the sheets. Yeah, and she is... Fully naked. Naked, yeah. I mean, she's holding it just above her uh, breasts. She's got one leg out. Yeah, so you can see there's no underwear there. You can see there's no underwear on. It's like a scene from fucking Body Heat. Yeah. For Christ's sake. But with her son. Yeah, flapping a fucking fish in her face. I mean... Imagine, anyway, imagine someone waking up waving a fish in your face. What a fucking nightmare, little yeah. bastard. Um, the poor fucking fish was alive as well. He was messing about He absolutely wants to fuck his mum. And she is not against it, by the oh. looks of it. Seemingly not. It is really She's weird. She's like, oh, you. On top of me whilst I got it all out. Oh, yeah. Can I get the fuck out of here? <laughs> You're way too close to my liking. And then he gets weirder because Chris is worried that the waiter always brings him food when his mum is getting out of the shower. She wants to know if he's her chaperone, but he tells her to think of him as her spiritual guide. No. He also thinks she wouldn't have guys after her like that if she was still with his dad. He is far too interested in her love life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely getting Oedipus. Absolutely. Like, seriously, leave her the fuck alone. She'll do it if she wants. If she wants to bang the fucking waiter, she'll bang the waiter in the shower. Well, they're the ones that order the food. Yeah. If you order food and then go into the shower, the food's probably going to arrive whilst you're getting out of the shower. Well, the little shit sits there after. He's, he's got this massive fucking free, big, fancy-looking breakfast in front of him. And, oh, this hotel is the pits. Yeah. This breakfast is a piece of shit. Hang on a minute. It's fucking free, you ungrateful little twat. He's so bitchy. He's horrible. He's the worst character in this fucking film. And he's barely even in it. And, and I only watched this earlier this year. And <laughs> I seem to remember him being in it more. He's that annoying. Yeah. Um, He explains that he starts... <laughs> He starts his new job sailing around on a random man's boat today and then flirts with his mum some more. Uh, she tells him that he's weird. Uh, might be an imposter because her real son is much shorter. So, to prove how tall he is, he gets so uncomfortably close to her oh. to the point his lips are nearly on hers. They yeah. nearly kiss. Yeah. I genuinely thought they were going to make out. Yeah. And the first time I watched this, I didn't even know that was her son for a while. 
because of this. I thought there were a couple. That's well creepy. Because the fact that she's really young as well, for a mum. Yeah. And she looks young. Well, I'd say she's probably in her early 40s. Yeah. But she she looks young for... Yeah. I mean, with him. They're, they're a believable couple. Yeah. Well, yeah. Until you find out that's her son. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but yeah, either she looks young or he looks fucking old. One of the two. <laughs> so yeah, that's the uh, incest subplot. Cindy... Um, and yeah, for for the one of many subplots in this film, it, it might as well have been called Piranha 2, the subplot spawning, because there's so many. There are. So many, and spoiler alert, so many characters introduced that don't do anything. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I... I'm assuming this is where the behind the scenes comes into play. Yeah. Where probably more was meant to happen with the side characters, but they don't. Yeah. Um, the first ones were introduced to a Beverly and Cindy, and they're having breakfast. Yeah, and there's characters like this that I wish we had more of rather than Chris. Um, because Cindy is a sleigh queen with a red swimsuit and a red headband. Beverly, um, she's Beverly, she's alright. She's not quite as slaying as, uh, as Cindy, is she? She's like. looks a bit like Barbara Streisand. <laughs> um, it's very generous of you to say that. But she, she's a weird one, isn't she? She is. Hard so to describe. There's a guy having breakfast in there and someone calls him and mentions that he's a doctor. She's like, a doctor? <laughs> um, and she, she's like, that's it, Cindy. I found the one. He's a doctor. I have to have him. Um, yeah, and that's them for now. Yeah, that's it. A weird couple discuss whether or not they should eat because it's included in the price of the room. They're the most boring characters in the fucking oh, film. Oh, they're so obnoxious. Like, I don't know why they are there. They're just taking photos of each other. On, oh, is that somewhere? Oh, no. That's later on, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, they're just doing for call now. Just, yeah. Are we going to have breakfast or aren't we? The best character in the film uh, is Mrs. Wilson... Uh, absolutely awesome. fucking incredible sex mad slay queen uh, with far too much makeup and a high sex drive. Uh, she flirts with Ronnie, the uh, lifeguard, and offers to have sex with him as a no strings attached deal. She says, I could show you things that would put all the young girls to shame. And she's like, You know what the doctor said, kill my last husband? Excitement. Rose's like, yeah, see you later, Mrs. Wilson. Yeah. No thanks. My problem with Mrs. Wilson is that she has bright blue eyeshadow. She does, but that's what makes it even hate better. And bright blue eyeshadow. I find it repulsive. But she is so ridiculous. Like, it, she has no idea how to put makeup on. Like, <laughs> did she even look in the mirror when she was doing it? She, <laughs> her makeup looks awful. Bland, she, bitch, bland. But, I mean, her swimsuit she's got on is giving me Sybil Dannon. Um, if Sybil Danning was having a quiet day <laughs> she looks like um, she looks like Rhea Perlman <laughs> from Cheers oh okay uh, no she looks like excuse me she looks like Rhea Perlman in Matilda okay that's what she looks like two guys Gabby and his son who's never given a name <laughs> are dynamite fishing in a bizarre series of events, we were introduced to Steve, played by Lance Henriksen. He's really aggressive and he gives him a telling off. He's like, I told you not to come here, you bastards. Um, Essentially, yeah. He reads them right act, doesn't he? And 
Gabby throws a stick at dynamite of dynamite at him. He throws it into the water and explodes. And they laugh it off and discuss having dinner. Yeah. It's his friend. It's his friend. So, as a friendly gesture, as, as a joke... He throws dynamite. He throws a fucking stick of dynamite at him. He could have killed him. A bit of dynamite banter. But, yeah, apparently. <laughs> and then Gabby looks directly into the camera and says, Steve and Anne and I go back a long time. The play. <laughs> Chris turns up for his job sailing with a random guy. Well, the random guy, the, the whole idea is he's a rich random guy. Also, possibly a um, bit of a nonce. He's wearing a cap that is almost like Dawn the Jockey's hat. Yes, almost. He has a premium horticultural of a moustache. Does, would we say premium? I would say premium. It's there, it is a bit it's meaty. Not, it's not that good. It ain't meaty enough. He has a necktie. He does. Big long black socks, uh-huh. white shorts, white shoes, white shirt, a blazer. His fucking hairy chest is hanging out. And as soon as Chris turns up, he's like, oh, call me Captain. Yeah, he was <laughs> called Captain. He then, bizarrely, introduces him to the rest of the Motley crew. <laughs> and he goes, here's my daughter, Alison. And uh, it's a young girl, she's wearing denim shorts, she's got a bandana around her head. Nike trainers on. Nike trainers on, she's uh, listening to a cassette player <laughs> with uh, her headphones on. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, hi. And that's it. That's his crew! <laughs> <laughs> that's the rest of the Motley crew. <laughs> I was like, I know you cut the budget, but you could have changed the fucking script, mate, if you can afford more actors. Captain Moustache then says to Chris... Now, first, I want you to clean up the head. Uh, and then he gives Chris a list of tasks. Um, but he's paying, uh, Chris is paying absolutely no attention because he and Alison are biting their lips while staring seductively at each other. This, this subplot doesn't... I don't know if this is uh, better or worse than the incest one because this also doesn't sit well with me. Weird. I mean... Alison, I checked her age, she's like in her 20s, like 24 or something like that. And he was 17, but they're very much meant to be kids in the film. And then, yeah, and spoiler so. alert, they have sex later on. Yeah, I get the idea that they're meant to be young. Um, yeah, kids. Yeah, I'm going to assume this wasn't James Cameron's idea. Um, yeah, it's, it's fucking weird. It's really weird. So, Alison says to Chris... Our lives are in your hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Just as he's starting his tasks, like cleaning the head. Uh, Beverly is on the beach <laughs> trying to entice her doctor. By doing a good Baywatch impression. Yeah, she pretends to be in danger and hurt and Dr. Leo saves her. Um, for some reason, he goes to save her with a shirt on, undoes his shirt... To then throw it in the water <laughs> and then rescue her, but never really go underwater because it wasn't that deep. So I don't know why he felt the need to take his shirt off for it. Yeah, when when he saves her, he says, "You're safe," and she said, "Better safe than dead." He saved my life, and he's like, "Oh, I'm not a doctor." She's like, "You're not a doctor." She's like, "No, but I'm a dentist." She's like, "A dentist." Dr. Leo Bell, DDS, at your service. And Beverly's like, oh, I'm Beverly. 
And then they have a really awkward hug that goes on for about 10 minutes, like, just fucking staring at him. Oh, she got, she got a man pretty quick, though. <laughs> you know, props to her. Yeah, she's a little out of his league, though, isn't she? Let's face it. <laughs> poor, poor Dr. Leo Baldidius. Um, yeah, she set her sights on a man and she got him. Oh, hang on. I said that Mrs. Wilson was the best character in this film. I actually think yeah, gay Raul. hotel manager Raul is the best character in this film. Raul. Raul is there to give us camp and nothing else. Yeah, so we're introduced to camp hotel manager Raul. And he's giving the staff the activities for the day. Um, he seems especially pleased to be judging the Mr. Missile contest. <laughs> oh, I have the full 30. schedule. I have the full schedule. In case anyone wants to copy the schedule. Are you serious? And it, have the full Piranha 2 experience. Oh, what you'll need to do here is... The volleyball tournament on the beach at 2. The Mr. Missile contest at 4.30. Riles judging. The new reggae band at 8. Um, which means they might arrive by 9. Because, you know, they're a reggae band. So obviously they're going to be stoned. Because uh, stereotypes. Um, to try to keep the guests happy in the meantime. And tomorrow night, don't forget, it's the annual Fish Fry Beach Festival. Uh, and then he hands it over to Anne. Who... Uh, he wants her to give her yearly speech about the spawning like she does every year. And then, for, the, for our purposes, uh, he asks her to explain it to the rest of the room, who should probably already know what the spawning is. Um, it's an excuse to get drunk and rowdy. The sweet little fish called the Grunion swims up out of the ocean and onto the beach for a moment of privacy for his mating ritual. And the human beings swoop down on him, scoop him up and fry him for dinner. Do you know who the real villain is here? Man. Every middle-aged white holiday goer at this fucking resort bothering this poor sweet fish that just wanted to get some fun on the beach. Want a bit of sex on the beach. And they just want to eat him. One thing I noticed um, as Raul was reeling off all the activities is that written behind him on a chalkboard was all the activities. <laughs> Um, so I'm not, under I don't understand why he felt the need to tell them something that was right in front of their face the whole time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But what about the poor fish? Well, yeah. Man is off. If we've learned anything from all of these piranha films, is that the true villain is man himself. Is, is the extras. Is man himself. <laughs> Excuse but, me. But mostly the extras. We're having a deep moment here. <laughs> Oh, and the shitty extras. Yes. Two topless women <laughs> on a boat. Because this is a piranha film. Talk shit um, in what appears to be a completely pointless scene. But they are reintroduced soon enough. It's not. So the two topless ladies are sailing a boat under an incredibly cloudy sky. <laughs> it looks dull as fucking dishwater. <laughs> These poor women, they've got their tops off, having to fucking pretend they're catching a tan... When it is literally, looks like it's about to fucking thunderstorm. Yeah. Above. Um, I feel that the joke is that these two women with their tops off are actually having a very intellectual conversation. <laughs> uh, one of them's reading a book and I feel like that's the joke is, oh my God, look at these, look at these beautiful women. They've got their tops off. But they're also intelligent. <laughs> Look, she can read. How hilarious is that? Did you actually have any other conversation down? No, no. <laughs> She's 
I didn't understand. It was too intellectual for me. Steve goes to Captain Mustache's boat to talk to Chris and reveals that it's his dad. Chris wants to go fishing when he's finished sailing for a living. Steve doesn't want to because it's boring. And then tells... Like this scene. And then tells Chris that Alison's a bit of alright. Okay, Steve, you're definitely too old for Alison. <laughs> that's fucking weird. Um, but yeah, that's basically their conversation. Um, Chris goes back to Captain Mustache... And he's like, what do you want? So, okay, Mustache, you're definitely fucking hiding something on this boat. That's, you're, up to so, you're up to no good. Well, the fact that the boat doesn't actually ever really go that far no. away from the beach. <laughs> the fact that the majority of the time they're not actually sailing anywhere and just sort of floating around. <laughs> um, I do feel like he is hiding something. Yeah. And Chris is like, oh, you thought you were a smuggler. I wanted to strip search the boat. But I talked him out of it. Steve goes to chat with Anne. Wants to strip search your daughter. For the sounds (laughs) of it. Steve goes to chat with Anne, his ex. And uh, he's perfectly nice to her. And she asks him if he's put on any weight. (sighs) And then leaves to go and teach her class. So, a little confused here. Why is she in a hotel that's being paid for by the hotel? Yeah. Uh, for her work. If her ex-husband is the police chief and she gives what he described as drowning lessons, <laughs> surely this is where she lives. She lives <laughs> there. Why is she in a hotel? You'd think so, wouldn't you? Why is she like, well, I'm in the hotel for five, you know, however long. I'm in the hotel. They've, they're giving me the room whilst I work. But surely she... She just lived there? Yeah. What What happened with the divorce? Did she not get Well, anything? the divorce hasn't even gone through yet, which makes it even weirder. So he's kept the house. No, but they haven't even divorced yet. Like, that's her Yeah, but they've thing. separated. They've separated. But the fact that they haven't even divorced makes it even weirder. Like, but if they've separated and he's kept the house... Yeah. Um, that's really bad. Yeah. They should... Um, they should split it. And, like, him not allowing his son to live at the house. Come on, add him... Come on, add him more layers to these characters than the writers did. It's shocking. <laughs> um, he asks her about an orange dinghy that she found, and that's it. Excuse me. One of the topless girls from before, what's her name? Jai. Jai. Um, now with a swimsuit on, tries to steal some wine and food from the kitchen. The stuttering chef, Mel, catches her and says he'll report her. But she tells him she and her friend were robbed. So she asks him to join her and Loretta uh, on the boat later on to get stoned. Have some fun and they'll keep him entertained. And she says, Loretta's hip. She trusts my judgment in men. (laughs) Mel, have you ever made it with two girls? And he's like, it's a date. And uh, much to her annoyance, uh, he offers to keep the food and make dinner for them. And says, see you later, alligator. Now, Mel isn't ugly. No. Uh, Mal doesn't look like your stereotypical um, weirdo in a film. You know, he there's nothing about him that stands out, really. No. They act like he is a fucking mess. They act like well, he is she repulsive. does. Jai does. Yeah. Jai does. It's, it makes for one of the best scenes of the film. It does. Um, but it, it's puzzling. It is really puzzling. He's the, yeah, but the poor actor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Am I? Am I hideous? <laughs> 
Imagine how confused he was. If he read the script and he needed that role and then he actually got the role. Yeah. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> and briefs a group of her students on some diving they're about to do. There's Someone a... is not through. No. And handlebar moustache guy. Now that is a meaty moustache. That is a meaty moustache. So, <laughs> he's meant to be a boy. I don't know how young he's meant to be. He is hairier than me and he has one of the most manly moustaches I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> he must be at least in his mid-thirties. Yeah. But the, these are students. Um, but he starts... I don't think the idea is that these are young students, like, at school. She calls him a boy. She does later on. That's the weird part. <laughs> but essentially, these are, you know, grow, they are grown-up people. They're just... They're called students because they want to learn how to die. Well, yeah. Um, he's like, oh, it's fucking boring. And uh, in the greatest insult in cinematic history, the best line of dialogue in this film, which one of the greatest lines of dialogue ever written, Tyler turns to him and says, Hey, you go to asshole school or something? <laughs> I can't figure out if you're being sincere or not. Of course I'm not. It's fucking ridiculous, Chris. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can't believe someone wrote that. Someone wrote that line of dialogue. That actor who plays Tyler was like, yeah, I'm going to say this. He actually read that line of dialogue. Like, hey, hey, you got an asshole school or something? <laughs> Come on, you must have something to say about that. That is one of the worst lines of dialogue we've had on this It was very 80s, though, isn't it? You got an is asshole it? School. Yeah, of course. No human being talks like that. Oh, you would absolutely see that in a uh, teen film, for a teen film, teen, teen movie from the 80s. This is a grown-ass man in his 40s. Yeah. Saying it to Yeah, then that's why it's funny. That's why it's stupid. But you'd absolutely see, you know, Molly Ringwald say, did you go to asshole school? <laughs> and that's not what Molly Ringwald sounds like, but she would if that's what she said. Tyler tries chatting up Anne and eventually asks her what everyone should do when uh, when they're flirting with someone. He asks her, do you go diving on the first date? From this point on, poor Anne is harassed by Tyler. Yeah, essentially. He will not leave her alone. Um, she takes him diving to the wonderful shrunken shipwreck from the start of the film. Oh, my God. Um, the piranhas show up, but they're like... Uh, no, I'm not hungry. <laughs> How long we got left of this film? Wait, you still got another hour. Like, yeah, uh, we won't eat them now then. Yeah, basically. Even though they're hanging around. They are right there. They are right there. Within close proximity, they could have ate them. Yeah. No. <laughs> and the biggest of the only fish, like seriously, apart from the piranhas, the, you see, I think I saw one tiny little fish floating around yeah. there's no wildlife <laughs> there's no you know uh, fauna or, or flora or anything like no. that I don't no, know just, I don't know how you someone's swimming pool water. <laughs> yeah essentially <laughs> but it's, it's dire um, I don't blame moustache guy for thinking it was boring because they're fucking boring well they're very selective these piranhas because they're like well I'm not going to eat everyone like we yeah. normally would do but hey, didn't that guy say this is boring? Wait till I fucking get my hands yeah, on him. How um, you? This is my and house. Yeah, they they eat the moustache guy. They do. Um, Anne finds the corpse. Another cop 
uh, knows about this like within seconds. Yes. And uh, goes to Steve and he's like, someone's been eating in the water or whatever. And Steve's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, it's one of your wife's students. And he's like, oh my God, you got to be fucking kidding me. You're giving way too much credit there. <laughs> way too much. I've got Lance Henriksen strains to show any real emotion when he's told the news. Um, Steve basically tell, arrives and basically tells Tyler to fuck off. Um, starts aggressively questioning Anne. When Tyler comes strutting back over with his fucking huge bulge on display. I shit you not. It's... It's weird. It's as if he kind of, like, stuffed... He might have stuffed it. The problem is, the scene is Anne sitting down and Steve standing up. And when Tyler walks over between them, the centre of the frame is his crotch. (laughs) And it's... I mean, it's hard not to miss. It it really is. Hard to miss. Yeah, it's a good job this wasn't Piranha 3D. Um, yeah, we'd have our eyes it, out. It's also a good job that he didn't get his speedos cut off with a knife because yeah. it would fucking smack her in the face. Like, this is ridiculous. It would have bobbed to the top of the ocean. <laughs> He's very gifted, um, and yet he still has to beg Anne to sleep with him. Um, <laughs> well, the thing is, it's right in between them as they're trying to talk. Like, it was distracting enough for us to watch. Imagine trying to act with, like... <laughs> Do you think? Do you think the director was like, okay, no, we need more of that. We need more cock. Like, do you think it was it. like a prank that he played and they just didn't notice? I don't know. Like he he like shifted a pair of socks down there or something. I don't know. Send him. See if he's still alive, the actor, and uh, send him an email. Find out. Um, he tells uh, he tells Steve to leave her alone and uh, introduces himself. Anne wants to see the corpse, but Steve refuses to let her. Now... For good reason as well. I mean, it's none of her business, essentially. She's already had a good look at it. In, in, in one of the best scenes of the film, um, the best Judy's Loretta and the other one. Jai. Jai. Um, what do you have her written down as, then, if not Jai? The best Judy, because the she best actually... Judy. I didn't hear her name said once in this film. Oh. Did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, when you say the best Judy, is it because... She reminded you of a grown-up Judy. She from, absolutely uh, did. Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, absolutely. They're waiting on a boat for Mal the chef, <laughs> and Jai says, "And here he is. You will not believe how weird this guy is. <laughs> the word from here is that he hasn't been laid in ten years. Wait till you see him. You'll laugh yourself sick." <laughs> So mean. This guy is. You'd think he was, um, you know, the guy in Suspiria, (laughs) where the teacher's like, "Look how ugly he is. He just had his teeth done." You'd think he'd be like that. It's it's really mean. Genuinely, she, (laughs) the way she says it as well, you you almost believe her. Like even if you've already seen him, you're like, "Oh god, he must be disgusting." But then he's. He's really not. Do you, do you think... Because obviously everybody is dubbed. Oh, my God. Scene. Do you think he was unaware until he watched the... He's like, oh, gather around, everyone. Come watch the film. And there's some woman reading him to film. Oh, like, it'll make you laugh yourself sick. This British woman... <laughs> like, is that she's not even British. 
Oh my god. He's like, hi, here I come. <laughs> she says, that's what he thinks. <laughs> Mal passes them the box. They ask him to untie the rope. And he's like, boy, this is going to be fun. Um, they ask him to pass the rope over while still laughing. Yeah. Not only do they make out that this guy is an absolute dog's dinner, but they also like make him out to be so stupid. Yeah. Like, he hands them the ropes whilst they're laughing at him. And then they're like, now jump. And Mal isn't sure about even about this, even though they're laughing at him, and he should probably know that this is a bad idea. But he still attempts it, falls in the water to great hilarity, and they're like, so long, asshole. And <laughs> just go away in the boat. The thing is, obviously they needed to keep the boat and him in the shot. <laughs> So he jumps, but doesn't uh, the actor doesn't actually jump at the boat. No. If he actually did, he would have hit the boat. <laughs> so he could jump that far, because he's quite a tall guy. Yeah. So, but because obviously for the purpose of the film, he like does, does like a diagonal jump <laughs> like away from the boat. Yeah. It's like, um, okay. That's the last you see of Mal. That is. That is the last you see of Mal. Um, actually, spoiler alert, it's actually quite fortunate that that happened to him. Yeah. These piranhas, it's like they're taking revenge. Like, yeah. the stash guy, like, oh, he said it's boring, that's what we're going to fucking eat him. Yeah. And now, they must have been standing around when this happened, or swimming around, or flying around, whatever they're doing in this oh, film. Oh, whatever. Um, because, spoiler alert, they get... they. They get what they deserve, the girls. Um, yeah. The piranhas come for revenge for Mal. So Alison tells Chris uh, that she's glad he's there and then has a bitch about her dad making him go to bed early uh, and how he had to drink a whole bottle of wine to get himself to sleep. Yeah. Just because... I certainly just met this Chris. And yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, my dad's drinking problem. Yeah. But he's like, oh, yeah, he gave us a bedtime. And so this reinforces the fact that they're meant to be kids. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah. <laughs> Tyler and his massive cock bugs Anne yet again. And uh, she basically tells him to fuck off. Uh, he still won't leave her alone. Claims to be her best friend despite meeting her five days ago. And uh, she's Has like... Has it been five days? Five days, apparently. And she's like, we do me Wait, a favour. it's been five days. Apparently it's been... That's the exact line of dialogue. She's like, it's been five days. So... How far out had Chris and Alison gone in this boat? Because it does not look like very far. Well, that's the only nighttime scene we've seen so far. Yeah. Other than the start. But it's been five... I mean, she didn't know Tyler before... Or did she? That's very confusing. And she says, well, you did me a favour. And he's like, sure. She's like, leave me alone. He's like, accept that. He insists on spending time with her. So she takes him to the morgue to look at her corpse. Um, yeah. In the school of uh, the mutilator's lighting, Anne walks around with a torch in the office, despite the fact that it's so bright yeah, that you can see, see everything in there. Completely unnecessary to have that torch on. They make, they're trying to be quiet and they make so much fucking noise. They pull the corpse out to take pictures, confirming it to be the moustache guy. And a nurse comes in with a baseball bat and kicks them out after telling them how she let someone in the other day because he claimed to be the bereaved, but ended up having a Halloween party. 
dear. Little does she know. She's randomly more concerned about having respect for the dead. Yeah. Rather than the fact that a couple of weirdos have just been taking <laughs> pictures of a corpse. Like, she she never actually mentions calling the police. No. She doesn't She doesn't mention any of that. She said, oh, you should have more respect for the dead. Um, okay, but what about the fact that they were taking photos of the body? <laughs> like, what did you think they were doing? Well, little does she know, a piranha was hiding in the body. And as we all know, if you speak to someone like shit in this film, the piranha's not having it. Um, yeah, bless, bless her. The nurse was in the right, though. Yeah. She, was, she had a reason to be angry. The piranha doesn't think so. It no. flies at the nurse, killing her, and escapes through a window. <laughs> and it's probably at this point where we should mention how the practical effects in this film, much as a continued thing throughout the piranha films, they're actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this isn't... For practical effects, uh, for some of the camera shots, the soundtrack, this isn't badly made. Very badly executed. Mm. Um, in a hurry, Anne left her credit card behind at the scene. <gasps> Anne and Tyler talk shit about fish before she finally gives in to his charm and his huge cock and they have a one night stand. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Soon after, Loretta and her friend... Well, well, the funny part is that Anne just essentially gives the plot of the first film. Yeah. Whilst looking at the corpse photos before, before they start... Um, um, they, uh, we had subtitles on, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So well, I didn't make up the phrase, but they have a snog to gentle instrumental music. <laughs> I love um, having the uh, subtitles on is so funny sometimes because obviously we get dialogue that we could have missed, yeah. uh, particularly with some of the, the dodgier films. Um, but every so often, like, gentle music plays. <laughs> or intense band music plays. <laughs> intense trombone. Soon after this, Loretta and her friend are killed by the flying piranhas. Yes. Good, good, for, uh, good for them. The piranhas are like you, fucking bitches. How dare you do that to Mal? What I didn't, yeah, actually, and they really did deserve it because after all this time, it's night time now. They've been sailing out for some <laughs> yeah. reason or whatever. I'm not sure where they were going. They were just on a boat. Um, they were still bitching about him. Yeah. After all that time, still bitching <laughs> about him. Uh, Anne's having a cig after sex and. Uh, Begins to study the pictures of the corpse and is horrified by what she discovers. Steve uh, discovers Loretta and her friend's corpses as well as the nurse and Anne's credit card. So he visits her the next day. Yeah. He storms into her hotel room, finds Anne and Tyler in bed. She explains the crazy piranhas from the first film, but he's not believing any of them. Uh, instead of taking her in for questioning, even though he openly admits that he's got three murders, essentially, mm-hmm. and she was the last person to see two of those, and her credit card was at the morgue, he still doesn't take her in for questioning. No. He... Tells her to piss off, you know, just leave, <laughs> and says next time she needs to lock her door. So he doesn't yeah. walk in on her post-coital with 
Tyler. Yeah, he, he, he literally just gives her a telling off and that's it. Also, should you have to lock your door in a hotel? Are they not automatically <laughs> locking doors? Yeah, how did he walk in? Yeah, he just walked in, just stormed in. He should have knocked anyway. And he really didn't seem that bothered. He's supposedly angry about Tyler, but he really didn't seem that bothered. Well, this is Lance Henriksen, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's, he's, he's struggling to bless him. Um, yeah. Is he still alive? Yeah, he is, yeah. yeah. Anne puts an ugly dress on. Tells Tyler oh where the food God. is. Hideous. Hideous. We'll post a picture on Instagram, hopefully, because <laughs> I can't describe how awful it was. It looks like a beach towel yeah. made into a dress. It does that really unflattering thing where it's strapless, but loose. Yeah. So, um, obviously tight um, to keep it up. But loose otherwise, so it makes her look droopy. Yeah, basically. It's highly unflattering. It, it looks like a, uh, a a beach towel you could get from yeah. Skegness Market. Yeah, it does, yeah. Um, yeah, she, she puts the ugly dress on, tells Tyler where the food is, and storms out. She goes to Raoul and uh, tells him she's cancelling all the diving lessons because it's not safe, and he says to her, you're sticking a red hot poker up my ass by cancelling now. <laughs> he then sacks her. Yeah, this is what I don't understand. I'm like, you can't cancel. You can't cancel. You're sticking a red hot poker up my ass. And then uh, <laughs> to resolve this, he just fires her anyway. <laughs> so is it not the same result? Yeah, they've got no diving teacher now. Yeah. Um, and he tells her to leave her suite by tomorrow morning because he could have use for it. Now, right now, that means nothing to us, but uh, later on, we find out what he wanted to use it for. Mm. Certain lifeguard that Mrs. Wilson's got her eyes on. Yeah, um, yeah no, when, I, I know on this podcast, whenever we say a character's gay, it's usually implied, but no, he, he's actually a homosexual. I do, I do think that's, but, yeah. There's a di- line of dialogue that confirms it. Yeah. Um, Tyler makes a suspicious phone call, implying that he knows about the piranha and that he's using Anne. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Anne attempts to capture a piranha for further study or take pictures as proof, but Tyler intercepts her and uh, he's now got a new suntan. Uh, his huge bulge is back out again in his yeah. speedos. Uh, and he informs her that he's a biochemist and uh, a member of a team which has developed the ultimate weapon a specimen of ge- genetically modified piranha capable of flying. <laughs> how? What I don't understand is how is piranha the um, ultimate weapon? <laughs> why? Why is it not like a, sh- a flying shark or like a flying <laughs> killer whale or something? Why is it piranha? Well. We've seen Sky Sharks. Does that not answer your oh question? Oh my lord, do not. Oh. Tyler thinks they should go down the proper channels, to which Anne decides she wants to be a slave queen now. She's like, fuck the proper channels. You either help me now or get out of my way. Yes, you tell him, man. Steve goes to speak to Chris in a helicopter, but Captain Moustache, in his PJs, tells him Chris and Allison have run away in a dinghy. Yeah, Steve goes to look for them. As he was them. sleeping. I suppose that's the problem with having a bottle of wine before bed. You don't <laughs> notice when your uh, daughter runs off with someone in a dinghy. And, and the best part is, 
this scene was clearly meant to be later on when when Steve actually goes looking for Chris. Yeah. Because it is so out of place here. Yeah, it is. Because yeah. he, uh, he doesn't go looking for him. No, no. So, oh, they've run away? Ah, oh, that could wait till later. The honeymooning couple we all forgot about <laughs> are taking obnoxious and culturally inappropriate photos in the dining room. Yeah. Um, they're, like, pretending to wear masks and shit. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, not good. The... Um, I'm, I'm confused as well. Please excuse me. Is that an indoor pool right next to the dining area? I think so. That's, I mean, it doesn't it actually happen, but that is a, that's, you're asking for trouble with that, aren't you? Yeah. If people are getting pissed over dinner and falling in the swimming pool. Yeah. I just thought it was a bit weird, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm no architect myself, but. The husband takes uh, one picture of his wife for the girls in the office, um, but then he gets annoyed when she starts shaking her tits, because now he's trying to take a picture for his mother. Yeah, it's a picture, Hearn. It's not a video, and she's not going to know she's shaking her tits. It's fine. Raoul checks if they're coming to the Fish Fry Festival, and they agree to go. That's the last you see of them. Knowing that the first drinks are free. Because, yeah, because the first drinks are free. Yeah. Or, as the uh, manager says, first drink are free. Oh, God, yeah. I've... Uh, do you know what? I forgot about that. I thought I'd um, made a mistake typing. Yeah, he said, first drink are free. (laughs) Club Tropicana, first drink are free. (laughs) Gabby provides the proof Anne needs to Steve, calling him and showing him that they are in serious danger uh, as as the piranhas are now eating each other, having devoured everything else. Yeah, so Gabby, another character we all forgot about. Um, I just have him down as... Steve's dynamite friend. <laughs> yeah, at a meeting, Anne tries her best to reason with Raoul uh, to no avail. He just tells her she's, he's concerned for her health. She suggests stopping all the activities again. And uh, he says, fiscally, I'd be cutting my nuts off. <laughs> <laughs> Steve tells Raoul that he's full of shit, provides a piranha wing as evidence, and then calls him a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, but then, like, <laughs> Raul just leaves. Yeah. So it's not, it's just, he just leaves. He's just been shown a piranha with wings, and he doesn't react, he just walks out, and then that's it. <laughs> so, yes, I am that bitch, Lance Henriksen. Thank you for reminding me. I was, I thought it was um, Gabby that calls him a bitch. No, it was, it was Steve. Are you sure? Yeah, 100%. Because he gives, uh, he gives... And a look after, because he was so proud of himself. No, I don't think you're correct. It was Gabby. No, it was 100% him. Mm. He, he literally, he says, bitch, and then he looks at Anne and he gives her a smile. I don't think so. Well, either way, a gay man gets called a bitch. <laughs> As we all know, it's not an insult, so... That happens to you every day. It, it does. Two piranhas attack Gabby's son and kills him. Chris and Allison make out on a uh, stream before taking the boat out. <sighs> yeah, I've it's daytime, 
So the rest has been night time. Yeah, it was literally just night time. Gabby's son is killed in night at night time. He returns home. I, I'm not sure why he's by a big tank of water. I'm not. I'm, I'm not really sure what's going on there. But he ends up in the big tank of water. Yeah. Um. In probably what I think is the best death scene. Yeah. Um. Then it cuts to daytime, and Chris and Allison are doing a fucking the Blue Lagoon impression. <laughs> They're making out by some sort of stream, but it's like a, a like a mini waterfall. Um, Alison's top is wet, so we can see right through it. But then it's also pulled up, so we can show. Uh, so we can show. So we can see her breasts. Yeah, despite the fact she's meant to be a kid. Yeah, despite the fact that she's meant to be a kid. So I don't know. I can't remember when the Blue Lagoon came out, but um, I'm assuming this. Their little Blue Lagoon moment, thinking she's fucking Brooke Shields. I really hope the editor never works ever again because this is ridiculous. It just makes like, it, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so out of context. Yeah, it literally after this it continues with the scene before at night time. Yeah, um, Gabby finds his son's corpse and he wants to take revenge. Steve tells Anne that she cannot trust Tyler because the army says he's crazy. Blue Lagoon was nineteen eighty, by the way. Oh, there we go. It's definitely Blue Lagoon. She argued that Tyler has just been using her to get the message of the piranha out for him to protect both himself and the residents of the hotel. Steve heads out to find Chris in the scene, basically where the scene from earlier should have been. Yeah. And he's, he says before he leaves, you know how I feel about Chris. I won't come back without him. Your son. Yeah, you know, you know how I feel about him. <laughs> Wait, your son. We know how his mum feels about him as well. Um, Gabby's setting up devices for his revenge and Tyler walks in and just stares at him for a bit. He does, yeah. So... <laughs> he doesn't say a word. We're like, have these characters met before? Like, what? <laughs> what's going on? Um, it's fish fry time. It is. It's in full swing. So we're reintroduced to some characters here yeah. that um, you may have forgotten about. So, Mrs. Wilson tries yes. it on with the lifeguard again. She goes to his fucking room. Goes to his room. Uh, but Cindy is already there. Yeah. But she's there with a bottle of champagne in one hand, she a tray is. with two glasses in the other. She is ready for that lifeguard D. Um, but, yeah. Cindy's yeah. made it there before her. She got her man. Because uh, she said earlier, she said, well, I've got a thing for lifeguards. Again, the piranhas kill Cindy. They get revenge for Mrs. Wilson. Do they? Yeah. Cindy killed? Yeah. Oh. Um, is she really? Yeah, you pointed it out to me. Yes, I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting confused. Ronnie shows up to the beach with Cindy and apologises to Raoul for being late, to which Raoul looks fucking disgusted at Cindy. And he says to Ronnie, I know why you're late. What a waste. What a waste. <laughs> So when he could have made use of uh, Anne's hotel room, he, he thought he was going to make use of that with Ronnie. Yeah, so um, I hate to beat a dead horse, but I don't understand how Ronnie is some sort of top-tier Harrison Ford hunk, <laughs> whereas Mal is some fucking button-feeding... They don't look too different to each other. <laughs> Fucking piece of shit. I don't get it. Isn't it? It's not that different. They're not that different to each other. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, he says, "What a waste." Um, Aaron, a character I had absolutely no <laughs> idea. <laughs> Aaron, 
um, even if you ain't watched the film, you're probably on par with uh, our knowledge of Aaron. Yeah. But Aaron has been attacked on the beach, and so he can't answer Anne's call. I got really confused and thought it was Gabby. <laughs> and then Gabby turned up later on. I'm like, I thought he was killed on the beach. Um, Beverly is doing a little dance for the dentist. She is. Uh, with her culturally appropriated braided hairstyle. Not a fan of that. No. And doesn't suit her whatsoever. Well, Dr. Leo Ballis, uh, DDS, because he tells her she's his dream come true. Yeah. Cindy and Beverly both got their men in the end. They did. Uh, Raoul announces that whoever catches the most fish wins a two-day two, two trip to... And the scene cuts away. No one knows yeah. where they're going to. And um, hotel room. <laughs> Mrs. Wilson is pissed out of her face and now stumbling around looking for cock. She is. <laughs> um, random guy on the beach says there's only one way for a fat guy to be first when running for the beach. Cheat! And yeah. runs first. Well, he did, yeah, he sneaks to get to... So the whole idea is that um, if everybody goes to the beach too early or one, even one or two people go to the beach too early, it's going to scare the fish away. Yeah. Um, but this guy, the fucking obnoxious prick, um, cheats and goes to the beach early. Uh, then the festivities, uh, yes. I use that term loosely, uh, they begin. The ancient rhythm starts playing ancient to lure the fish. The ancient rhythm starts playing to lure the fish. <laughs> and the crowd starts say, chanting, we want fish, <laughs> we want fish, we want fish. Well, Gabby shows up first with his son's corpse. He takes his fucking son's corpse to Does, the fish festival. Did he really? Yes. He put him on a table. Oh, he, he did. Fucking put him yeah. On table. And he's like, Anne, I'm going to take revenge. She's like, no, don't. And he's like, oh, I am. And she's like, okay, go on then. Yeah, go on then. Um, yeah. The, get on for me. The big gang of uh, holiday goers uh, are charging onto the beach, chanting, we want fish. And what do they get? Do they get fish. Fish. The piranhas start fucking flying out of the water and attacking them all. So this is something else in every piranha Yeah, film this is, is that, that scene. scene. That scene where the piranhas attack. Yeah. And these are flying piranhas, so it's all on land. Yeah. Dr. Leo Bao, DDS, pops his head out of his room and thinks he's seen things because he's drunk. Um, we see corpses on the beach. Cindy's one of them. Yeah. And uh, Gabby. But that's it, really, though, isn't it? No one else, like Mrs. Wow. Wilson, survives. You say that, Gabby goes to take his revenge. Um, yes, he does, yeah. Say, we say revenge loosely. <laughs> he, he could have put a little more effort into it. <laughs> he walks on the beach, looks up, and then gets killed. <laughs> and everyone just watches him. They're like, oh, yeah, okay. No, he starts trying to hit the piranha. Barely. With flaming torch. Yeah, it, it's very wimpy. <laughs> Like, come on, Like, mate. as if he's pumped up. he got a device ready. Yeah. For this, you know, he, it was a massive build-up for this scene. And he gives, like, two shakes of a torch and he's dead. Yeah. Whilst everyone oh, just watches him. Uh, as they're all fleeing, Anne does save a, a little girl. Because <laughs> she's our likeable lead. Yes. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, dynamite dude gets his face eaten. Yeah. Um, Anne, who was in the hotel watching Gabby get eaten. Yeah. Makes her way to Tyler's boat, seemingly quite safely. 
<laughs> not sure. Not sure what happened there. Well, that's in the morning. Before then, we're in studio. That wasn't the morning, was it? Yeah. Um, the weather. Oh, so where oh, did hang on. She may have gone. Go. She may this have. Isn't the no, morning. actually, yeah. She went there at night time, but then it cuts to the morning. So before that, um, Chris and Alison are lost at sea, and Alison says, "We're lost at sea." No, we're, sorry, we're lost, lost at sea. How romantic. Um, what I don't understand is they don't actually seem that lost at sea. No. And I swear there is a boat in the background. Yeah. Like... Uh, Chris is like, oh, Alison, words cannot describe the trouble we're in. Uh, and it's implied, this is where it's implied that they've had sex. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't understand how Steve's taking so long. Because it, because it cuts <laughs> from night to day. So I'm like, how long has Steve been... How big is the sea? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's, you know, the ocean is very large. Yeah, but that particular bit, I mean, where did but, they fucking yeah, go? Yeah, that particular bit, it's like, um, they haven't actually gone that far out. <laughs> In the morning, um, the piranhas leave because they don't like the light. Um, is that a real thing? Apparently. Did somebody say that? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. Tyler and Anne decide to undertake oh, Gabby's man. plan and blow up the ship to destroy the predators. When Chris... Predators? Yeah. I suppose that's true. They are predators. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I, yeah, you start... I felt like you were going to say piranhas, and then when, when I heard the word predators, I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. When Chris and Alison um, are, are still stranded, um, Anne and Tyler arrive in a motorboat and dive down to the wreck to plant the timer charges that Gabby left behind. This yeah. scene goes on for oh fucking God. ever. Very... Uh, whoever... Um, Wrote Cruel Jaws definitely took notice of this scene. <laughs> We've only ten minutes to get out of the wreck before the bomb explodes. Oh, it's almost like watching a piranha film. It feels like ten hours. Anne and Tyler are trapped in one of the sunken ships. Uh, by the, in one of the rooms on the sunken ship. Uh, by the piranha who all return to the wreck. Steve, uh, yeah, in daylight, by the way. Yeah, this in daylight. daylight yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, Steve. Arrives in his helicopter. Could have loaded it down yeah. to grab Alison and Chris. Instead, this is our scene that nearly killed James Cameron and Lance Henriksen. He jumps out of the helicopter for absolutely no reason. The helicopter crashes into the water and fucking explodes. Yeah. He just he jumps <laughs> into the... So, this is the confusing part. So they're lost at sea. But there's mm-hmm. a boat in the background. I don't know whose boat it is. I'm sure it's something to do with the, the film or something that happened earlier. But there's a boat there. Yeah. Good-sized boat. Very visible. Alison and Chris are on a dinghy. Yeah. But with oars. Yeah. So they can row. <laughs> They're like, we're lost, we're lost. They don't try rowing to the boat. No. <laughs> calling out to the boat, even though it's clearly there. <laughs> Then Steve comes along in a helicopter. I understand in a helicopter gives you better visibility of the water. I understand that. But then he (laughs) flies the helicopter above them and then jumps out, dives into the water. The helicopter crashes. Luckily for them, it doesn't crash either into (laughs) the dinghy... Or into the boat that's 
there. Steve is fortunate to that there is the boat there because he gets on the dinghy and then they row the dinghy, yeah. something they could have done, to the fucking boat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's so pointless. It's all just so because, pointless. It hurt my brain. All just because they wanted an explosive finale. Like none of this makes any sense. I mean, they could have had the explosive finale anyway. A bomb's about to explode on exactly. a boat. Exactly. Or just, you know, have a speedboat go into another speedboat like all the other fucking films did. Steve powers up the other boat and takes off. Yeah. Um, down in the wreck, Tyler becomes stuck and eaten by the piranhas. Anne escapes out of a porthole, grabs the anchor, allowing herself to be pulled away by the motorboat, <laughs> motorboat on the surface. The bomb detonates, destroying the sunken ship and all the piranha with it. Um, when this happens, we need to believe that um, their boat is shaking, the other boat. Yeah. So Chris throws himself into a wall yeah. and Steve very clearly throws himself onto the floor to make it look like it, the boat shook. With all the piranhas dead, Anne swims to the surface and is picked up by Steve, Chris and Alison in their boat. Yeah. And that's the end. Then the end credits. Piranha 2 this morning. So, what I don't get is that seemingly, and we'll never know because we never got Piranha 3, but seemingly that explosion has killed all the piranha. Yeah. What about the flying ones? (laughs) Yeah, they don't come out in the daytime, do they? But, so, (laughs) the piranha... The piranha in the water didn't have wings. No. They looked like normal piranhas. Well, kind of. So, did they develop wings the moment they hit the air? <laughs> I don't understand. There's no logic there There's at absolutely all. Absolutely no logic. The film is whatsoever. all over the place. The dialogue is abysmal. There's weird depictions of children. Um, there's incest. There's cougars there's gays there's everything in this film and i had an absolute blast of it it is so much fun it's ridiculous um but it's not even close to there's some good practical effects a great soundtrack as i said some good camera work some good camera work um not single good performance no um so it's, it's not bottom of the barrel trash but it is trash yeah it is not a good film, um, but it is a trash to piece, and it deserves its reputation, especially with all the background behind it and the, you know the trivia and whatnot. Um, it it does have to be seen, especially if you watch any other films. It's better than Piranha Three Double D, anyway. That's that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a compliment. Check it out. Check check it out. Check Piranha Two: Spawning Out. Uh, or Flying Killers, as it's also known. But that brings Summer Screams to an end. I mean, what an end. Um, couldn't have picked a better film to close the month. Next week, we are back to our regular schedule with no theme. Before we launch into October. Yes. So, um, next month is obviously, as I said, no theme. And it's the last month of the year where we're without a theme. We're going to make the most of it, aren't we? What have, what have you picked? I chose Ninja Terminator. A film where the tagline is when the last three ninjas fight 
only one will survive. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not. A this is true. It's true. True. <laughs> true. Um, yeah. Absolute ridiculousness. We've um, been really enjoying uh, a lot of martial arts films recently, haven't yeah. we? Um, and this one. It, it. I mean, I'm looking at the DVD cover as we speak, and it looks fucking shoddy. It, it really does. It really does look shoddy. Um, absolute ridiculous. Should be fun. I, I hear it's the, Piranha Two, of, uh, martial arts so. films. And the if if that's true, then can't wait. <laughs> yes. Um, but until then, talk to us on social media. We're Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. I'm Delight Gaz92 on Letterboxd, GazCruise92 on Twitter, and Gazmo205 on Instagram. I'm Chris Barker823 on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Come say hi to us, um, um, like almost a month from today. Um, so today's the 31st. Yes. Uh, our screen of Hellraiser is on September the 30th. Yes. Uh, come say hi to us and come watch a horror classic in the cinema. It's at Chapel Town Picture House in Manchester. Uh, it's £7.50 a ticket and it's all available from our social media. Yes. Links in our bio. Uh, rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, like on everything else. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye. Bye.